people who are moving on foot or on a wheelchair or out trying to get get to work get to the but are often so isolated or disconnected and seen and judged and mis misunderstood there's all these layers that pedestrians carry you know and 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 are and it's very loud and intense when you're moving but everyone's driving in and out driving in and out driving in and out going from one interior to the next boom, 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 boom. you're an object you're you're a nuisance you're less than you're you didn't work hard enough you're there's all this you you take on this energy that's tomatoes are thrown at you you're cussed at you're flipped off like something that's so inherent to human connection to earth connection to our biology of processing stress to our biology around being creative and emergent and it's been shamed to something that has become so disregarded and so dehumanized even This is a real, real, real thing. Real, 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 real thing. None of you have the balls to stop. Stop this. We're in the wedge neighborhood right now, 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 right now. I've got the I've got the book to hold up to to the camera. This is my second episode of the day that I'm recording. I did a council member, and so I talked to a lot of council members. So this is either going to be great or I'm going to be really bad at it. First of all, this is the Wedge Live podcast. I'm your host John Edwards. And my guest today is an author. I've been forced to read a book for the first time uh, preparing for a podcast episode. I've read a book, a whole book. Uh, so my guest is Jonathan Stalls, who wrote the book Walk, subtitle, Slow Down, Wake Up, and Connect at One to Three Miles Per Hour. Thank you for coming uh, on the podcast. Oh, I'm honored. I'm honored, John. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And we should say you're going to be in Minneapolis talking about your book when and where. Yeah, lots of places. It's going to be throughout Minneapolis and St. Paul. So the trip will be uh, April, get out there on the 19th until about the 25th. And so the book event, it will very specific to the book, will be at Majors and Quinn. Um, we're going to do a connection walk at 530 and then after a book reading and signing in the bookstore. The connection walk will be like 30, 40 minutes. I, I, you know, doing a book reading on walking, we've got to move a little bit. So it's, it's an optional thing. Um, and then there'll be a, a pedestrian dignity themed walking event uh, along Franklin Avenue on that following Saturday, Earth Day, um, from 8.30 a.m. to 12, alongside a local Julia Curran, who I've known for years. We're going to talk benefits of walking and pedestrian safety and just human connection, mental health, creativity, storytelling, all kinds of things. So th those are a few invitations. <laughs> I'm guessing you chose Franklin Avenue because it's so terrible. Yeah, I was just working with Julia, just thinking about roads within that tell a story of practical mobility, but also there's some plans I know that are coming on Franklin to change and improve some things. So just felt like a good opportunity for us both to just get creative and invite people. And it's nice that it, you know, the full 5.5 miles to kind of going from Minneapolis into St. Paul, um, 
there's three segments too. So if you want to join for just part of it, um, there's details for that on our event page. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to be at the, uh, majors and Quinn, uh, book oh, talk, and I think, right I think I'm going on the walk. This is not related to your book, but what are, what are the local politics like in Denver? This is a local politics in Minneapolis podcast. I'm wondering if you're having some of the same experiences we are. It it's, I don't, I, (laughs) (laughs) that's how I I feel about Minneapolis politics. I don't even have words. Can I just grunt? (laughs) Can I make noises? (laughs) I'm relating very deeply to all the noises you're making right now. You know, it's like there, there are some really, really good waves of, just really uh, progressive, uh, risk-taking city council candidates that I'm connected to. Uh, Mayoral, we have 17, we had 17 people in the mayoral race. Um, We've had a long, a long time mayor for for multiple seasons and complicated, really complicated related to centering local voices and really getting into kind of the rawness of the need that so many people in our, in our city are facing related to housing. And, you know, my, my work is so centered on mobility related to, you know, walking or moving a wheelchair, taking transit through any given community. And we have, we have so much, uh, we've given over so much to kind of broad, even sprawling development in Denver. Um, and there's, there's good, there's good people doing good things. So it's, it's tricky. We have a lot of good grassroots energy, but we have so much harmful development energy that just makes it complicated here in the mile high city. It's, it's complicated. Tell me about what you do. Maybe some of your activism and advocacy, you've talked a little bit about it, but for the audience, uh, just briefly, like, what, what do you do? Yeah, so I consider myself a walking artist. That's how I, I, I frame it. Um, I primarily specific to advocacy. It's, it's focused a lot on, you know, I've always felt so strongly about having, um, you know, relational lived experience as a as, as a teacher, as a, as a brain center for how, um, how we move policies, how we think about systems related to, you know, if you have to leave your home or apartment or wherever you live and get to the grocery store, get to the bus stop, or, you know, what does it actually feel like? What does it feel like in the body? Um, whether it's on foot or on a wheelchair, powered scooter, what's it feel like to wait at a bus stop for, 30 minutes to an hour or more without a shelter, without a bench, um, to be alongside people that maybe have different pain points or disabilities than you do or whatever, just what does it feel like to be in lived reality, um, outside of a, a car and how are we supporting that experience? And so a lot of my advocacy work and education work and all the things is around just being an artist and creating around that, that tension. Like, you know, we, we've got, We've got good planners trying to do good things. We've got engineers that (laughs) can often be pretty stuck in car centric time, but a lot of that's because the manuals keep them stuck in that, in that setting. And so we have in elected leaders, you know, often are driving a car primarily as their transportation. So the gaps that live in between the raw mobility journey um, of people who a depend on moving on foot or on a wheelchair by bus be people who would choose to do it and don't want to be driving everywhere. The gap from that lived experience to the decision-making bodies is really big and it's complicated. And so 
as an artist with the Pedestrian Dignity Project, which is one of the things I work on. Um, it's just hosting events. It's inviting these different um, elected leaders and planners and engineers w alongside residents and advocates. Uh, you know, I've been experimenting a lot on, I'm 40 years old, experimenting on TikTok. <laughs> I love it and I hate it. <laughs> It's it's an it's a it's a world. TikTok is a world. I had no intentions getting into this that I would be on TikTok, but I, you know, being invited by younger audiences to say, "Hey, like, connect with us on these platforms. Like, help us connect." You know, and I, it's been amazing to see a lot of younger grassroots people connecting through TikTok um, as an as a as a way of engaging civic engagement through the context of pedestrian mobility. So. That's one of the branches out of, out of the tree. I, my project, larger project is called Intrinsic Paths. And so I'm a writer, I'm a pen and ink artist. I, I create long distance walking routes. Walking is my main medicine. It's, it's, I, I need it to feel healthy on the inside and, and as I move through the world. So it's, it really is a love language. And it's, you know, one of these branches is very much um, advocacy related to mobility. I can't do TikTok. I'm, I'm, should, should I get on TikTok? I'm on Twitter. I feel entrenched on Twitter, which is all a sinking ship, it feels like most days. But uh, should I be doing TikTok? You know, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tricky... I, I, okay. I would say if you have, if you're drawn to just lean in and... And from a, you know, from an, I, I, I'm speaking primarily from an education space. I mean, there is some funny stuff on there. There's some great dance moves. Like it can entertain you for real in, in perhaps really meaningful ways. But as an education civic platform, because of the amount of, um, amount of time younger audiences are spending on this tool, like it's, there's some real hunger and, and engagement, like the level of engagement that I have with young people, um, on TikTok is incredible. Uh, it's incredible. And inviting them to go deeper into kind of how they engage around their civic reality related to mobility or other things, uh, having them come through TikTok or even Instagram um, to co-host events with me here in Denver and, and other places. So I would say if you're curious about uh, accessing younger audiences in a way that's creative and meaningful and honestly authentic, like the thing about TikTok is there's just not a whole lot of time for performance and just like, oh, I'm going to go on there and, you know, try and perform my way into connection. It's like TikTok is like, be you, be real, be raw, like don't, don't, don't BS it. And if you're curious about connecting to people in raw ways like that, especially younger audiences, then it's, it, it can be fun. It can be good. Yeah. Okay. But it's a lot and it's stressful. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I connected with uh, so much of what you wrote in your book, maybe because I walk a ton. And oh, so what, I, what it's got me thinking is like the tr traditional advice about walking is like very practical and clinical. Like your doctor, doctors say, get this amount of physical activity in a week. And it's like yeah. a chore that you need to do. You need to check it off. When, when in reality, uh, as you write so eloquently in your book, uh, you, you walk for physical and mental health to forge human connection for the health of your community as a force for creativity, uh, yeah. connection to nature as a human right that needs to be defended politically. 
these are all very immediate things. This isn't something, this isn't like a retirement of an investment that you're making. It's, it's like, it's the immediate here and now. So uh, what is my question here? I don't know if I have a question. <laughs> yes but, to all of that. Yes. I think it was just me summing up what I took from the book. And now I can move on to a question, which is sort of related. You've used the word unhurried or unhurried pace quite a bit. Can you explain to people uh, the, the importance of unhurried? You know, I just, I, I always go back for me, uh, it being medicine, you know, the medicine of, and I, I, and I, and moving in a way that is just, it's more, it's more natural. My creative work is kind of under this umbrella of intrinsic paths. So this kind of from within intrinsic being kind of this natural from within, like something already here. It's not a gimmick. It's not a new app. I mean, there are apps that will help inspire and move you in cool ways, count the steps, but like, it's something that we're made to be doing. Um, I specifically think about even the getting nerdy around neuroscience and understanding what happens in the brain after 20 minutes of movement. Like when we actively move for at least 20 minutes, whether that's on foot or a wheelchair, the, 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 the galaxy of benefits that happen in the brain when we move from a place of what can feel just like stacked stuckness inside of walls, often 90 degree walls. And we're moving out into these, this arrangement of elements, elements in weather patterns, elements that are the chemicals and communication streams moving between trees, animals, birds, sounds, and then just the stumbling upon related to people in our neighborhood and community. And so you have all these external things, but then back to that neural framework, like this, there, we're literally creating new neural pathways after 20 minutes. We're, we're shedding and we're breaking up stuck neural pathways and we're, we're creating new ones. And so from a place of creativity, from a place of kind of just moving through and letting go of, of stress and heavy things from a place of even just moving with kind of built in mechanisms to nurture trauma. So things that we store in our bodies that have, that are heavy and complicated. I, it just, you know, and we, without all of those words, it's just, this is something that we're made to be doing. And there's a lot of things that have made moving that way, difficult, disconnected, really, really, uh, not safe and inaccessible for a lot of people who depend on it. And so, yeah, I, the, the unhurried piece is so, um, to me that if there's intention in your movement, even if it's just an extra 10 minutes, if you're commuting and you got to catch that bus, like just creating a little bit of space to go a little bit slower, um, to pay a little bit more attention. Like there's just a world of invitation out there, both on the outside and the inside. And I think that can be just solo. That can just, be, that can be with the trees that can be alongside a loved one or a partner, or maybe even somebody you're in conflict with. There's a lot of stuff in the book related to encouraging unhurried movement, walking or, or using a wheelchair next to someone as a way to just reconnect, recalibrate the relationship a little bit, or, or move into conflict in a way that's not rushed. There's so much that wants to move us quickly into information, into positions, into postures. And, you know, the last chapter in the book is very intentional walking as mystery. There's so much mystery out there and in us. And how are we, um, you know, and I, I say this like imperfectly always, like I'm, I need this every day. I don't have it. <laughs> I don't have it all figured out, but it is 
every day I get out there and I, I create some extra time to move in this way. It's, it's a, it's a teacher. Um, and it's medicine. The, the creativity thing is real. It's not like, it's not voodoo. It's not made up. I came to it like accidentally. Like if I feel stressed, I kind of like, I have come to the idea that like, I, I need to take a walk and I live in a place where I can do that. Like I do it frequently enough that I kind of like, I have that natural experiment of, Hey, I kind of feel, I feel better. I should do this more. And like when I'm blocked creatively, you, if you do it enough, you, you realize, well, I, I seem to have a lot, a lot more ideas when I'm walking or after I've walked than I do normally. Like that's a, and you talk about the, the neuroscience behind that in the book, like this is a real thing. And I don't know if enough people know this. Yeah. It, it's one of my favorite authors who I quote in there several times. Um, Shane O'Mara, who's a neuroscientist, has a great book in praise of walking that really dives into it. But basically the invitation is just, if you are, you know, one of the invitations is as we think about complex social political challenges that we face in our bodies, in relationships, in our communities, walk them out, move with it, like move, like use what we've been designed to do to just lean into creativity around emerging into new ways of, of, of just into evolving, you know, like how are we using what kind of the, what's given to us in our, in our biology to move with complex social political things that we, if we're only in rooms or behind screens, making and discerning complex social political problems, um, where, where, where the environment can so easily remain stuck and positioned against and binary. And I think that's, it's just such a big invitation where, you know, how are teams even like creative teams, political teams, social teams, organizing teams, intentionally bringing movement into their, into their process, um, for discerning some of these things. So yeah, it, it is, it's, 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 it's profound. It really is. And yet it's not, it's simple. It's simple too. So there's, there's all of that. Yeah. You talk about the consumption machine wants us to avoid what is raw and fragile, numb pain and ignore signals that would have us living a more honest present life. Uh, so that's the wake up part of the subtitle is to, to wake up from, from the screens and the ads and the TikTok. Uh, right. Can you talk about that a little? I say it with so much fumbling and it's just, there's, it's not like, I need this every day and I'm constantly trying to figure this out or not even figure it out, just kind of fall into it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a place that just, that just feels so needed and tangible. Um, but it's also so undefined sometimes. Like it's not like you go for a walk and it solves all the things. It's just like, how is a, how is something that's so human? And if it's taken out largely of our, of our everyday practices and existence, um, or even the opposite that you have to walk and your environment is so violent, really like with cars moving 60, 70 miles an hour right next to you without a sidewalk. Like we have so much of that happening in, in both of those worlds. And so this, um, you know, moving away from things that want to block us from each other, I want to block us even from what's going on on the inside. Um, 
you know, there's just something very much that I feel in my experience about waking up to what's, what's really going on on the inside. Like what's really going on with other human beings out there moving through their neighborhoods, what's really going on, you know, alongside people who are waiting at bus stops, what's really going on with the trees and the weather and, 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 and our flowing water, like who, what's being dumped into our water? How often are we walking by our waterways? Do we know our waterways? Do we know where they start and where they finish? Do we know, you know, it's just being in relationship to just real things that are happening outside of us and in us. And it's not like, the things inside of walls or around screens aren't real, but it's, there's almost the term I use a lot in the book is this kind of is separation. Like what's separating us from each other, um, from the stuff that's going on from on the inside and, and from, you know, the outside world and the wisdom of the natural world. And, and so I just think I, it, the, and that's why the book is so, uh, there's so many practices in it because I am just constantly like, don't, you know, <laughs> take my words with a grain of salt. I'm trying as an artist to put some language around it and just go experience it for yourself. Like try on this practice, approach the tree in a new way, understand it, learn from it, do some research on it. What are the medicinal qualities of the tree that's right outside your front door? Do you know the name or the history or who depends on the waterway that's near you? Like, have you, who lives around you? Talk to them, lean in to a conversation around people who you're moving next to or around like, you know, and maybe have a couple prompts to take with you on a walk that might, that just might touch some of the things that are going on on the inside, like things that you might be afraid of, things that you're trying to work out or sort out and let the walking and the relationship to the movement kind of nurture some of those things along the way. And so there's just this, you know, this was after a, you know, I, all of this for me is from a, a walk across the USA in 2010. That's how it started. So I, I had never done a lot of walking or hiking growing up. I was moved around, shuttled in a car most of my life until my mid twenties, you know, and I was, I'm coming out was really difficult. I'm, I'm gay, queer. That was a really hard process for me. It was complicated. I moved every two years growing up. I was a new student in 14 schools, shuttled around in a car, like home was complicated loving and understanding who I was because I was constantly fitting in was complicated. I'm sensitive. I'm an artist. I was like, who, I, I don't, who am I? Who do I, how am I trying to? And so all of these things were bubbling and boiling and I, I just needed an experience. I craved an experience that would recalibrate everything. And I stumbled upon the book Walk Across America by Peter Jenkins, which was an amazing book, 20 cents library sale. And I skipped all my classes and read this thing in a day and a half. And I was like, that's it. I don't know what this means, but I just need to be dropped off on the Delaware coast. And I need to walk some shit out <laughs> for a while, for 242 days, it seems. And so anyway, I, I just, that's some context for why this is, this is really loud in my stomach around like the, the, I moved and walked into so many new places of healing, connecting with hundreds of people, stayed with 120 strangers from all different backgrounds, you know, moved across the desert. Yeah. All these things. Did you plan on staying with strangers or did it just naturally come about that people would invite you to stay with them? What was the plan? Where were you going to stay on this walk across the country? It was not necessarily a part of the plan. It was honestly, I had no idea. And that was part of what kind of needed to happen. I needed to just be dropped off and I needed to, you know, 
I knew that I needed to figure those things out or, or trust the, the earth, the, the people, my own capacity to just pitch the tent wherever it, wherever I needed to pitch it. You know, I, it was part of the unknown that was, that was drawing me to this experience. I'm like, I, I, I want to, I want to, I want to feel stronger. I, I use the term a lot. I want to, I want to be able to say to myself that I have what it takes. I have what it takes to just go out the front door and walk for, for a handful of days. I may not make it more than a handful of days. This may be too high. I don't know. I just need to start somewhere. And by day three, someone runs out. I have this story in the book kind of towards the beginning. Um, this is someone just runs out of the woods and sees us walking. I had a big sign on my backpack, you know, and within a matter of 15 minutes of moving, we were in the rain. She was an amazing human and just invited us to stay. I, you know, and it just that whole thing, like all of my ideas of trust were recal were starting to recalibrate after all these, after hundreds of moments of people checking on me, checking on us, um, me leaning in to people and asking for help and, and people showing up and inviting us to stay. So it's just, you know, and I think this is back to your question about unhurried, like, because I'm moving in an unhurried way, I'm, I'm walking and I ask other really important questions alongside of that. What if I'm, what if I was black? What if I was a brown, a brown person? What if I was, um, you know, appeared maybe more, more homeless or, you know, whatever that would mean. And maybe if, whatever, if I didn't have a dog, I had a blue healer Husky with me. What if I was a woman? What if I, you know, all these different things that make being a white man, uh, really complicated moving through spaces. And they were really important questions that I took with me. Um, and the strangers, the people who reached out and I made connections with of all different backgrounds, races, ages, you name it. Uh, it was just, it was overwhelming the capacity of curiosity and hospitality when you're just kind of slowly moving through a space. So I, I'm not nearly ambitious enough to walk, uh, you know, for days at a time, let alone ac across yeah. the country. I, I just, I stick to my own city, but yeah. like the human connection part that, that is real. Like I, I am forced to socialize because of how much I walk. You run into people in your neighborhood that you know or you don't know. Uh, you're outside of a car. You're just gonna you're gonna have interactions that were not planned. I'm not I'm not a person that plans a lot of social interactions. I don't have a a long social calendar. But like if you walk enough, uh, that that can be a social life in and of itself. Yes. Ah. Uh. And I'm always, you know, I'm always sharing too, like, you know, the, the social component can be so nuanced too, even for more, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not necessarily even talk social. Like there's something about just shared ecosystems. Like I, you're sharing a, a public space, an ecology of relationships. And so even just having people like, I love, um, the frame kind of, I often see it or frame it as like kind of combing the earth with our with our movement and our steps or, you know, our bodies as they kind of move through these neighborhoods. And I know that sounds kind of, you know, up in the sky, but like literally like your body is kind of combing the air with your presence and your energy and your availability and, and, and connecting it also to like just neighborhood safety, even like just, just not even formally looking out in the neighborhood, but just being available to what might happen in a neighborhood and being, being a participant outside of the walls. And, and so it's, which makes it again, that, that the, the 
complicated nature of the millions of people that have to move this way. And because there's so much isolation and because there's so much separation keeping us away from each other and, and pitted against each other, people who are moving on foot or on a wheelchair or out trying to get, get to work, get to the, but are often so isolated or disconnected and seen and judged and mis misunderstood. There's all these layers that pedestrians carry, you know, and, and, and our, and it's very loud and intense when you're moving as a pedestrian on some of these isolated environments where you're surrounded by apartments or single family homes or whatever, businesses, offices, restaurants, whatever, but everyone's driving in and out, driving in and out, driving in and out, going from one interior to the next boom, 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 boom. And so you're just this, you're an object, you're, you're a nuisance, you're less than you're, you didn't work hard enough. You're, there's all this, you, you take on this energy that's tomatoes are thrown at you, you're cussed at, you're flipped off, like something that's so inherent to human connection, to earth connection, to our biology of processing stress, to our biology around being creative and emergent. And it's been shamed to something that has become so disregarded and so dehumanized even you know, outside of like plazas and downtown cores where you have different, you know, you kind of have forced college campuses, you have forced, you know, spaces, public spaces, because you just have mass, you know, you have mass pedestrian mobility because of density and whatever, but still like, it's just, it, it's a really, it's a really, um, complicated, but important portal, I think into kind of human, what are, what are we doing as humans? <laughs> what yeah. are we really doing? What are we doing? What are we missing? So I, what are we missing? So I live in a very densely populated place, yeah. but I grew up in a very suburban and like very hostile to a pedestrians kind of place. And so I kind of, I've been spoiled and I've gotten used to like, like I, I can walk places and I don't feel, I don't feel like this is wrong or uh, the world is out to get me uh, here in Minneapolis where I live, but I go to visit my mom and it's like, Ooh, Oh, okay. This is how this sound is. So totally. Yeah. yeah. And it's a really, one of the things that I, you know, I, you know, as you can imagine, a lot of people are like, what do you think? What's the most walkable community you've been in? What's like the example, you know, in the U S and, um, and it's a really hard question for me to answer because I, I center in my thinking about walkable community around the arterial roads that surround or that are near the core of a city. And I think, of, and, and, and that's specifically because of, you know, equity framework, segregation, systemic racism, thinking about where people are placed in planning and zoning and land use related to bus routes, related to public mixed middle, low income housing related to, you know, looking at all of these different highways, incinerators, and you know, things that are just so, um, so deeply problematic related to systemic housing and, 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 and where people live and how they live and why they live there and all these things. And so these arterial roads, which are typically the most frequent bus routes that are zoned with grocery stores that are zoned with human resource centers that are zoned with different mixed low income apartments and housing. How are those roads? How are we doing as a city, as a community to make those safe, dignified, connected with lighting, 
bus shelters and bus and benches at every bus stop unquestionably with ramps and access and helping it help frequency of, of, of trans, all these things that, you know, on those arterial roads where so many people who depend on moving this way, it's just such an interesting to me. It's an, not, not even interesting. It's just an important kind of lens on, um, yeah, this, and that's kind of why I always kind of go back to the dignity of, of walking or, or moving in an unhurried way. What, it, what What's that dignity relationship, both for our own, just everybody, public health, mental health, and then especially zeroing in on, you know, these areas in every city in the U.S. that, um, that, that has a, that, that there's a lot missing in understanding those who are dependent and need to be getting around outside of cars. Good transition to uh, some book feedback on my favorite section of the book. Uh, you talk about taking a walk along a particularly dangerous stretch of road in Denver with public housing residents and some like elected officials, policymakers, and uh, it really emphasizes the cost of car-centric transportation systems to our physical and mental health. People waiting for the bus, waiting be between lanes of cars, holding groceries, waiting for a break in traffic. But he, I think you've got a section that like instructs people like how to hold a walk with, uh, you know, elected officials, like a, a practice mm-hmm. for how to do, how to do something to, to make a difference on streets like that. Yeah. And it, that's where it's so, it's just been as an artist, as someone who just you know, my education around all this is just by moving through the world this way and having it be so formative for me when I did that cross country walk and continuing to do so. And it was, that was my gateway into, you know, learning so much about these different systems of either invitation and support or harm and disconnection related to just like any mobility, whether car, bike, walking, I'm leaving here and I need to get there, whatever that journey is. And seeing how far, um, you know, moving the way we're made to by foot or on a wheelchair, you know, thinking about, you know, audiences, elders, children, families, thinking about so many different communities that are, you know, out there or not, um, because their environment, you know, makes it easy or not. And, and so the, the power, the invitation, the opportunity to get creative around hosting, um, events that, honor the lived stories of residents. So co-created with residents, co-created with local people related to things, problem areas or opportunity areas, or, you know, and kind of centering those stories. And then from there kind of moving out to, okay, well, who's kind of, who are the lead engineers on, on this road or in this project, maybe for the state or for the city. And just kind of learning about the different systems in place that, you know, they, they might say transportation in their title and, and, and is it, is it distributing resources amongst different modes and, you know, technically they manage or they influence, um, you know, someone's mobility journey. And so inviting them to participate in these events, um, and then elected leaders who can move resources and organize policies and having them, you know, get out of the car and be guided by residents and advocates to just experience what other people experience to actually have, you know, we've had several events where people in our network, um, who move through the world on a wheelchair powered scooter, we provide manual wheelchairs and we have, you know, different people who are in these positions, you know, use the wheelchair as a way of 
you know, doing that with people who are using them and need them. Um, and the learning is all, the arc of learning is always so strong. It always is so strong because it's, and, and just, this is where the invitation and getting creative in the middle and that gap is so, it's to me so important. Um, because it's, you know, it, it just moves out of the brain into the body. It's like, once you live it, once you sweat in it, once you feel what it's like when the snow and ice are hitting you sideways after 35 minutes waiting for the bus, once you like witness the elder clutching six bags of groceries in the median, you know, to get to the, to get home from the grocery store, you know, when you're and you're seeing the cars kind of rip and even honk, I, you know, you just, all these different things, all these different buttons, whether it's empathy or just in your own body, like you are starting to shake because it's that uncomfortable. Um, you know, it just turns on all these different radars and it's such an important, so trying to really be, you know, not car shaming. This is, you know, never, it's never car shaming. It's never, um, it's never, you know, making people feel bad and saying, you don't under, you know, just like, it's not, it's not, but it's also being really unapologetic about how harmful it is. And so how do we, how do we honor kind of the harm and the hurt and the act and the kind of the gaps and access. So hosting those events with residents and inviting different, it's been a really, really important thing. And a lot of leaders, elected leaders, a lot of the planners and engineers, this would be maybe their first time walking said corridor, perhaps, you know, a corridor they've managed for a decade or more. This may be their first time riding the bus in the corridor that they've been managing for so many years. And so they're really important invitations. One of the things that someone from our DOT said after, and this is in the book, kind of at the end of that story you were referencing, but it was such a, it was the, the way she said it was, it was just such a, it was a nugget of like, this is exactly why we're hosting these events. But she said, thank you for this experience. Um, you know, she shared that she was going to leave early cause she had other meetings, but then she canceled those meetings cause it was so informative for her. She'd been working with the DOT for 20 something odd years. And she said, this is the first time, um, she realized that for 20 years she'd had an intellectual relationship only to transportation. And it was, you know, it was, it was that, that, that's what, you know, so at, it, that's where it, it just feels like there's a lot of room to, to experiment. And that was, that was kind of the bulk, the main practice kind of offered just some tools on how to think about planning that, how to do it, um, in a way that's, that kind of maximizes some of that learning, um, in, in the experiences that I've had. Yeah. There, there are some really bad streets out there that I walk everywhere. I'm on and off the bus all the time here in Minneapolis, but like you will go to a part of the city you haven't been to a, a ton you like you experience a terrible street and it's like a, a revelation even to me sometimes as a full-time pedestrian. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I can't imagine what the experience is like for somebody who's been living in a car for, for decades. Uh, I, I just can't, they must be blown away. Well, and it's always, this is where the creativity comes in. Cause it, it, it ties to climate and environment. Like if we're going to be really honest about resources, like in what we can sustain and what we can't and the younger audiences, especially that's where it's just been so wonderful on TikTok or Instagram or these other tools just to invite them out to these things because they center so much this unquestionable, unapologetic, like I don't, 
if I'm going to, if I'm going to grow up and live in a, any kind of healthy, like their, their future is kind of in this. And so there's just that reality for all of us. Like, how are we taking more risk to just be of a way that isn't this default? So back to this unhurried, what is my relationship to time? Even as a driver, what does my relationship to time need to look like if I'm going to integrate some of this stuff, you know? And so it's like, it's also like for drivers or people that want to drive less people that don't want to be driving at all. And just kind of mandates that we shouldn't be taking every single trip in the car in a single occupant car to get the banana and come back, you know? And so how does, you know, this is all these things that we're all trying to, you know, solve or fix, or a lot of people are trying to, so it's just how can like the practice of, you know, and then attach the mental health benefits that we were talking about, the creative benefits, the social benefits, the complex, you know, there's just, it's, I could go on and on and on. It's such a, it's, it's such a simple thing, but it's, it's so not. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm not a spiritual person. I get, I get the impression from reading your book. You are a very spiritual person. Uh, but like I will, uh, here I'm going to talk about nature connection to nature. Yeah. And so I will often be on a walk through the neighborhood and think, well, how old is that tree? Who was alive when that, when that tree was much younger or who will be alive when this tree is much thicker and, and taller, uh, things like that. Can you offer some thoughts on how walking connects us to nature and why that matters? You know, I, just to ground it for a minute in like my own, you know, I, I think being so felt feeling so alone growing up and isolated in what was going on in my life and just internally being really sensitive, being an artist, being, being gay, being all these things. It was just, I felt really alone. And so on this, so fast forward to this cross country walk. And I, I, uh, it was really like, you know, seeing, seeing myself in some ways in the trees, in the way the trees and the, the way the trees grow, the way they, the way the bark falls away and sheds the way uh, certain branches twist and bend to get more nourishment, the way certain branches need to break, you know, certain things in my life just needed to break off. I needed to, I needed to let go of stories, expectations, things, whatever they were. Um, and so I just found a lot of, um, I found a lot of like witnessing within seeing the trees or observing how birds, you know, connect and move and how they sound and, the, the way that's almost unexplainable, the way flowing water would make me feel on the inside. It almost as if I became the water as I would take breaks and take my shoes off. And, you know, the water would just like, I just felt it, you know, just cleaning things, you know, that's just trying to put words to it. Um, the way the sun would hit my skin. And then like, there would just be a, a moment of warmth that would kind of take over. Um, even just feeling nature in a way, like the texture of nature, the texture of, of tree bark, the texture of different leaves, the texture of, um, the way the ground feels when I put my hands on it, you know, just whether it's on a break or now I do it a lot intentionally. So there's just so many things, roots, tree roots, and just how they have to get deeper. So to your point about a mature tree, when you just the commanding attention of a mature tree that's been there for hundreds of years, it's, it just commands attention. It command, I mean, what it's seen, what it's carried. And so I just, yeah, it, and 
you know, I go on and on in the book also about sunrises and sunsets and just the permission of these really kind of almost liminal skyscapes. You know, it's why, like, you know, even the term that I use a lot in the book, because I don't, you know, I don't practice any one religion. I, 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 I kind of just say nature is my first sacred, the first sacred text. It's a teacher of mine that uses that a lot. And I'm like, oh, I, I like that. I, I, I connect to that a lot. But just this, um, the, this term of mystery, like this reminder that, you know, if I'm really, if I'm certain of anything, it's actually that I'm uncertain. <laughs> You know, like almost letting go of needing to cling or hold too tightly. I don't always get that right. I screw that up all the time. Well, I don't even know what right means in the midst of all that. But there's something about being in kind of the epicenter of a sunset or being completely enamored by an eagle as it, as it calls out, as it flies over. Or, or, or the rush of a, of a river, especially when you're feeling some extra stress or the way the ground feels or the way shade feels under a tree after a really hot day. There's just things out there that are balm and have been balm for me. And, you know, so I just, I think again, back to this medicine, it's like there are, there is so much out there. A dear friend of mine who's referenced in the book, Montague Connolly, he describes himself as a lot of things, but an herbalist and a tree shaman and all these things. And he's just been such a wonderful teacher to me around connecting to different kind of relations. Certain trees can help hold, you know, and witness grief and heavy things and hard things or certain trees you can just kind of lean on. And I, you know, I, I just, I, I could go on and on, John. <laughs> I could go on and on and on as you have, as you have experienced. Uh, we have three hours. Remember, we, we have three have hours. hours. <laughs> We're here for three hours. Uh, so John and Jonathan in the morning. We have three hours. Uh, so here's a quote from the book. Parades, demonstrations, protests, and outdoor gatherings and celebrations. Help us to tap into just how much human movement frees up one's body, one's pain, one's joy, and one's sense of agency. And that got me thinking about, uh, we had a lot of events canceled during the pandemic, like outdoor street festivals, even though they're outside and it's fine during the pandemic. Uh, here in Minneapolis, we have open streets events, which is kind of like, uh, are you familiar with the concept of an open streets event? Very much. Yes. Yeah, so people are biking and walking and like vendors are out there uh, outside their storefront. So they're great. I love them. And they got canceled. And that, that was a real shame because we, we could have used that. And then here, po we're not quite post pandemic, but anyway, we're, we're moving, we're moving through it. We're hopefully all vaccinated. And uh, one of my favorite events in St. Paul is the little Mekong night market, which was canceled because the organizers uh, couldn't afford to hire enough police to protect it from the fear that someone would drive their car intentionally through the event. It was in the wake of, uh, I don't know if you heard about that case in Wisconsin where a man drove his car through, I think it was a 4th of July parade, some kind of parade. So uh, it's so many of these great events, uh, whether it's the pandemic or like violence issues, like we've been robbed of these outdoor events. And this is a very long winded way for me to lead into a, a question of the importance of gathering with others in the outdoors, like moving together, moving with other people, which you write about uh, extensively. This is what human stories of, 
have done and are doing all over the world. I mean, it's just whether it's, you know, out of what out of protest or out of celebration or out of pilgrimage or out of fleeing one's country or situation or out of just just general transportation and community, getting the water and coming back, getting the like whatever the relate like, but m waves of people moving the way they're made to move in this kind of web or fabric of connectivity and play even, but also kind of claiming, you know, the things that that they want to claim related to rights or fair treatment or dignity or all, I mean whatever it is, and so there's. There's just something that is so, um, it can feel almost like chaos when you look at, when you look at just how controlled so many of our environments have become related to concrete and 90 degree angles and, 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 you know, again, just this illusion really, uh, of what a car kind of is now dictating to us related to its needs, controlled temperatures, artificial materials, artificial speeds. I mean, just be real about it. Like, let's like, okay, I, I, this is not car shaming. Cause I get in a, I borrow a car. I, I use transit. I get on buses. I am an artist and I go to markets and I borrow cars to fill it up, to take all my things to markets. Like I, this is not about getting rid of cars completely. That's not my, that, that's not my frame. It's not realistic. It's not, but be honest about like the complete separation from what is natural. Um, like j just like aggressively dishonest <laughs> around a natural pace for human movement, human belonging, human play, human resistance, human connection, human healing, human uh, proximity and responsibility to the planet. Like I could go on and on and on. And so this, so the invitation in the book, there's, it, the, it comes up a lot, what you're referencing in two chapters, both walking, the chapter walking is play just related to like being playful in the outdoors and just getting groups of people together and carrying around sidewalk chalk and leaving wonderful messages for people and hugs and music. And we do these things with walk to connect, which is a part of some of the work that I've done for years, these glow in the dark dance walks. I mean, why not? Like it's night. You don't really need to talk too much. Just dance and get some music. Like be weird. <laughs> like let's be weird more. And you know, but then also like, the, ne the the chapter that follows or that shortly after is walking is resistance. Like how do we move our bodies in a way of, you know, in a way of making statements it's why I think, you know, protest is so powerful because it's waves of human bodies doing what they're made to be doing and people pay attention to it. Is it, yes, it's the message. Yes. It's the things that are being said, but it's because human, human people are out in the streets you know, and then obviously, you know, the things that you shared about open streets and just a more, a setting that's just kind of giving way to, to that, um, to that, to those shared ecosystems that they, it's just, it shouldn't be a thing. I think we think in the TikTok and on the Instagram or on our discord with a lot of younger audiences, you know, that are in this kind of in this space, wanting to organize in this space, a lot of commentary just comes up around, why do I love college so much? Or why do I love when I went to Europe once and it's not this Europe has its own challenges of car centrism and things like that. So Europe's not necessarily the, but there are a lot more plazas in public space because these communities were built when the only thing people did was walking or roll, you know, so 
you have these like heightened experiences and it's just so euphoric and college is so wonderful. I want to go back to college days or I don't want to leave college, but what about the public shared ecosystem, the public space, the public place and moving our bodies in a more regulated way where every 20 minutes we're letting go of things and we're creating new ideas. We're meeting new people. We're picking up that ice cream or, or whatever it is. Like we're listening to the music on the corner to just take a breath with the stress because there's space and invitation for busking and music, you know, all the things. So, so <laughs> long answers, John. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. That's what this podcast is all about. Yeah, is uh, uh, talking way too much and too long. <laughs> if you're with us still here at 52 minutes. Uh, so like you talk about screens and like waking up from screens and there's a similar dynamic uh, with uh you know, our car centric culture, we are, you know, inside our metal boxes, as I think you refer to them in the book, uh, cut off from each other it, in, a, in similar ways, like our, our screens are distracting us and we're also cut off by our cars. I think it's widely recognized that like social media, it's becoming more widely recognized that social media is like problematic in terms of how it like distracts us and takes us down rabbit holes that are very unhealthy. I wonder if you think we are turning the corner, politically speaking, and having people wake up to the idea about car culture and how harmful that is. I, I do my share of activism around like streets here in Minneapolis. I feel like we've made a lot of progress in the last 10 years uh, in changing some minds and like setting some new standards. I wonder if you feel like we are turning that corner and people are kind of coming to that realization. I, you know, I would say in a very, um, in an extremely, uh, small ways, there's definitely things happening, you know, with, I think, you know, the multimodal projects funding coming down, that's available to cities and towns, rural, medium, large like state funding from federal funding. Um, you know, I, it, so yes, I, there are, there definitely are things that are turning it and it's, and it's good to see that, uh, and feel that, um, I just, it, to me, it's so, it's, it's, it's so far from the, I think the urgency needed specifically, I mean, very much from the mobility access, like practical utilitarian framework of people getting around who've been needing to get around safely for you know, for how many, you know, decades and centuries it's, and there's, I think there's just so much missing in the way of climate and environment responsibility in the way of, um, mental and social health. Um, as it comes like, back to these themes of moving the way we're made to uh, kind of coming back to each other through our movement and, and relationships, you know, tension, conflict, division, you know, I just, when I, so yeah, pairing that with social media, pairing that with the car reality, it just feels, the tools that are turning are still to me, they're, 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 they feel still really far from preparing and educating and, 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 and shaping this as like a larger, uh, topic outside of just transportation. Um, and it's, and then it's also missing the, to me, the, the racism and classism aspects, the accessibility aspects, where is, where are resources really being prioritized? Why well, don't, I just don't, anywhere close see enough focus and 
resources going to these, to, for example, these arterial roads, they, they go to kind of what are, I would just, I describe a lot as these luxury projects, which are nice and they're good. They help tap in. So it's not all bad, but to me, it's just so misguided from like, the, like kind of the greatest harm related to healing. And when I think about reparations in the context of, of mobility, um, I think we're so I, I just way too far. Uh, and I also think the, uh, the aspects and relationship Denver has, I mean, just speaking from Denver, we have a great like climate action team here, um, working with our city has a huge fund. There's, there's good. So there's good things happening. We're turning some corners, but it just still feels, uh, really far, um, really, really far, but I'm so, I'm so deep in it. And, <laughs> so it's hard, I think, for me to float out and just like kind of have some of that spacious grace. I just feel so loud in my body, John, around yeah. like the mental implications and the race and class implications that we're experiencing as vehicles get larger. Yeah, you know, so, so yeah. much has happened and I'm kind of like on to the next thing, on to the next thing. How do we fix this, fix that? And so sure. I don't really... I was having a conversation with someone who was less politically active and they were pointing to all, all the progress we've made. And I had to step back and like say, oh, yeah, we we did do all those things, but I was too busy focused on the future and I'm mm. busy feeling bad about the future. I wasn't looking back at uh, some of the good things that had happened. Absolutely. So, and I, I need know. I need I need to be doing that more. I I. I <laughs> I'm always like having the having my own talking tos around and being reminded of 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 the good things that are happening. So I, I, there's there's plenty of encouragement. Are you ready to give me recommendations? Uh, this is sure. what I ask mo most of my guests to give me a recommendation. It could be a book or a movie, a video game, a place you like to go to, an experience, something that you enjoy makes you happy that uh, you think others should try. It can be related to walking or maybe you have interests that are not walking related, whatever you, whatever you want to recommend to people. I would, the first thing that comes to mind and it's going to be no surprise, um, is the, uh, you know, if you are, if you are able and, and I want to, there's a lot of things I want to filter this with, but just, just in a broader sense, like if you primarily drive as your, as your form of transportation, um, you know, an invitation to replace your driving trips for at least a week or two, um, is just such a learning lab, not only just from the challenges, but also the gifts and the benefits of what, what shows up and what kind of risks and compromises need to happen to make that happen. But just like you would plan a vacation, just like you would plan any kind of complex thing where your schedule's involved and you got to figure out timing, like replacing your driving trips no driving for a week, at least, um, for two weeks feels like such an important invitation for all the reasons. Um, and I would say for people who are already walking or pedestrians and they're doing that all the time, every day, you know, it's extending that out. You know, I often, students will ask me in, in, in their, uh, in classrooms that I talked to, like, you know, just some similar things like, what can we do to help? What can we do? I'm like, just leap, walk out that front door for three days or two days in one direction have some, have some strategy, you know, for someone to pick you up. Have you walked to the nearest town that's three or four days away, 40, 50, 60 miles away? Do you have some backup for someone to pick you up if you need to? 
Do you have some, you know, learn about maybe some different ways you can do it. If you can't, if you're not feeling able enough to do, you know, with your body and whatever you're kind of moving through with your capacity, but protect some time to just literally walk or do a loop around the city. That's two or three days in an unhurried way, just from a place of listening, openness, um, from a place of health, from a place of connection, you know, as, as, as kind of a learning lab connection lab for all these things. So it's, um, you know, those two invitations feel, feel really loud as suggestions. Jonathan Stalls wants you to go on an adventure. <laughs> I do. I do. Okay. So uh, we should plug a website or something. I'm going to be at the majors and Quinn, uh, book talk, the walk I'm showing up. Yeah. So, um, book talk or the connection walk is five 30, um, on Friday, the 21st. And then the book reading is at seven. Um, the longer Franklin walk is at eight 30 AM. And then we also have, we're going to be hosting. It's a little, it's limited spots, but we do have a, what's called a walking leader training inclusive to rolling or wheeling on a, on a mobility device. But if anybody's interested in hosting um, events or would be curious about doing a couple of things like that, you know, in the next year, um, that's another opportunity sponsored by AARP Minnesota. That'll be in the afternoon on the 22nd. So those are three invitations. You have a full calendar. And is there a website? Did we plug a website yet? Yeah. Intrinsicpaths.com is, is my creative work. So that's definitely the primary thing. And, you know, the book walk, slow down, wake up and connect at one to three miles an hour. Those are two great seeds. Well, thank you, Jonathan Stalls. Thank you, John. Uh, this has been the Wedge Life Podcast. I'm your host, John Edwards. Thank you for listening. This is a real, real, real thing. Real, 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 real thing. None of you have the balls to stop. Stop this. We're in the wedge neighborhood right now, 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 right now.